Hello, and welcome to a special mini episode of Down Home Fear. My name is Keegan. This is episode 9.5. For those of you who are new to the show, these mini episodes are when we explore a element from one of the past stories we've done that we wanted to learn a little bit more about. Today we're going to be talking a little bit more about sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis was brought up on episode 9 when my guest host for that show was talking about the Greenbrier ghost haunting. So in this story, just to quickly recap, a woman claimed that the ghost of her deceased daughter had visited her in the middle of the night and said that she had been murdered. And this triggered a chain of events that eventually resulted in um, in a man being caught and convicted for the crime. And, of course, always being a skeptic, I mentioned that Perhaps the mother's visions were actually the result of something called sleep paralysis. And we discussed it briefly, but we didn't really get into the nuts and bolts of it. And anyhow, today is just going to be some more general info about sleep paralysis. I also have an interview with a friend of mine who has suffered from sleep paralysis a number of times in his life. So that's what we'll be covering for this installment. I hope you find it interesting. sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis is when a person briefly experiences an inability to move, speak, or react immediately before falling asleep or during the transition between sleep and awakening. It is often accompanied by highly disturbing, vivid, dreamlike hallucinations. One of the interesting things to me while I was doing a little bit of background research on this uh, phenomenon is that similar hallucinations during sleep paralysis occur in all cultures throughout the world. The most infamous is the old hag. So the old hag is essentially a dark, shadowy figure, typically a a very tall female figure who is said to be seen standing in the corner of a bedroom or at the foot of the bed or even right over top of a person who is uh, experiencing sleep paralysis. And while this is happening, the person is experiencing a suffocating feeling like they're being strangled or there's a great pressure pushing down on their chest and preventing them from being able to breathe. And this is found in uh, Japanese cultures and American cultures in Native American cultures. So it's not just a... um, It's not just a socially 
or culturally ingrained sort of fear. Like there, there's something in our genetic makeup as human beings that triggers this image uh, across the board. And I think that's pretty fascinating. About 8% of people will experience sleep paralysis at one point in their life. So while it's not super, super common, sleep paralysis definitely does affect a pretty significant number of people. It's believed that sleep paralysis occurs when your body is still stuck in REM sleep. So that's like the really deep dream sleep. It's the most important type of sleep that your body needs. Um, But your mind becomes conscious or aware while your physical body is still stuck, still paralyzed into that kind of deep REM dream sleep mode. There are two subtypes of sleep paralysis, which I actually didn't know, but one of them is called ISP, which stands for Isolated Sleep Paralysis. And this is the type that only lasts about a minute or two, and it usually only occurs once or twice in a person's lifetime. Then there's something called RISP, which is recurrent isolated sleep paralysis. And these are sleep paralysis episodes that a person may have wherein they experience sleep paralysis for up to an hour and it may occur numerous times throughout a person's life. You can also, with this kind of subtype of the disorder, experience back-to-back episodes of sleep paralysis in a single night. And these RISP hallucinations are the ones thought to result in the old hag, which is an incubus hallucination, a shadowy figure that comes in the middle of the night and begins suffocating you as you sleep, or the intruder hallucinations where you awake and you perhaps hear strange noises or think that there's an invisible entity somewhere in your home causing an inexplicable feeling of panic or dread, or even an alien abduction where some people think that they have encountered extraterrestrials who have experimented on them or given them some sort of message. Key point being that these are very, very vivid, realistic hallucinations that seriously, seriously can disturb people. My friend Kyle hasn't had any visions that were quite as alarming as the old hag or the Greenbrier ghost but he was still happy to come on the show and speak a little bit about his experiences with sleep paralysis, the strange visions that he's had during these um, experiences, and of course how the different incidents of sleep paralysis kind of play out. So he spoke with me for about 10 minutes. I'm going to play that interview for you now, and after that I'm going to talk a little bit more about the risk factors for sleep paralysis, treatment for sleep paralysis, and a little bit about my own encounters with sleep paralysis as well.
Okay, so I'm sitting here with a friend of mine, Kyle, and he has agreed to speak for a few minutes about his experiences with sleep paralysis throughout his life. So Kyle, first of all, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. All right. So let's, uh, I guess, start at the beginning. How old were you when you first had an experience with sleep paralysis? I want to say I was probably 15 or 16, there about. Okay. And you're currently in your early 20s. So um, this, uh, this started kind of later in adolescence, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that that'd be, that'd be accurate. Okay. And how many sleep paralysis experiences have you had in total? Um, I would say there's been maybe five times that I pretty much can distinctively re- recall. Um, I might have had it more times than that, but it's just difficult to, um, you know, remember because I wasn't fully awake, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Okay. So what would a typical kind of sleep paralysis interaction for you be? Um, could you kind of take us through it? Like how long did they seem to last? How, um, how did you feel during them? Did you hear anything? Did you see anything? You know, if, if you could just try to paint a picture for us of what these experiences were like. Okay. Um, one thing that I kind of noticed was pretty consistent across the, um, like I said, five or so times was that um, typically it would happen after I had been dreaming about something. Uh, I guess you could say I was like mid-dream and then a noise or something caused me to open my eyes. Um, at which point, you know, you just kind of slowly become aware of the fact that you're just laying in your bed unable to move. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty disconcerting, honestly. Yeah, so it, it, was, uh, it was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you obviously don't feel any pain or discomfort, but... Um, Psychologically, it was uncomfortable. Yeah, the times that I was pretty much fully awake and aware of what was happening, it's um, it's uh, pretty unpleasant to just uh, you can be focusing extremely hard on trying to move, but uh, yeah, just nothing happens. It's almost like being. I mean, it is being paralyzed, I guess. So, in these um, in these experiences where you were um, kind of partially awake but still still paralyzed and still immobile. Did you did you still see dreamlike visions? Did you hear any auditory phenomena? Um, I've never had any really auditory phenomena, but um, there have definitely been times where I guess I've seen visions around my room, just um, dark shapes or uh, just elements of dreams kind of incorporated into the area around me um, on the times that I've been sort of half awake. Okay, can you tell us more about the the visual stuff that you would this that you would see? So the dark shapes, or these shadows. Yeah, there's that. I mean, it, it really varies. I I don't know what what if any rhyme or reason there is to it. I mean, I've seen figures of people, um, just animals and strange patterns on my ceiling. Um, I would say those are probably the two most common things. But yeah, I don't really hear anything other than. Uh, you know, what's normally happening around me, you know, what, like the sound of a washing machine or sure. something in the room over. Okay. So, um, and just, um, how, how long did the, these, uh, interactions last for? 
what, when you were in this paralyzed state? Like, was it minutes or, or did it seem longer than that? Um, sometimes it's minutes. Really, the um, only way to make it stop is to just go back to sleep. Um, I've pretty much realized it's kind of futile to try to wake yourself up during them. Okay. Um, I think the longest I tried was, it, it seemed like maybe half an hour that I was um, lying in bed paralyzed trying to uh, regain control of my uh, motor function, I guess. Got you. Well, that's um, that's definitely really, really interesting stuff. Um, some people say that it, it seems like it just lasts like a minute or two, and then others will say that it feels like it lasts for up to like uh, an hour or even longer. So it sounds like maybe you're somewhere kind of in the middle uh, between those two extremes. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I haven't really done too much research on... Uh, different trends people notice in it. Um, one thing, I, I read up on it a little bit when it started happening. Um, I saw some people were saying that uh, you can snap yourself out of it if you hold your breath. Um, since pretty much all you can do is move your eyes and breathe, holding your breath, people say sometimes works, but that hasn't worked for me in the past. So really, you know, these days if it happens, which it hasn't happened in a while now that I think of it, but um, I just go back to sleep as best I can. Got you. How uh, how real did the visions seem? Like, did you realize that you were still dreaming, or did you feel like there were really um, people or animals or whatever in, in the room with you during these experiences? Um, it's pretty dependent on um, how long I had been, uh, you know, kind of half awake, I guess you could say. Like, um, the longer I would stay awake, the more I would become aware of the fact that I was having a sleep paralysis uh, episode, I guess. And... Uh, it's happened enough that I, I, I would say they don't really seem real to me at this point. I'm pretty, I can pretty much tell when it's happening and understand what's going on. So I just kind of write it off, you know, just mm-hmm. count it. You, you just kind of like wait it out. Yeah, basically. Much. Yeah. Okay. Um, so were you, so it sounds like you weren't ever able to like really interact with the hallucinations or anything. At, at that point, you were, as you said, kind of immobile and just able to kind of, like, blink and, and breathe, and that was that was about it. Yeah, I've definitely never interacted with them in any way. Okay. So, you said there's a total of five times throughout, or throughout the years that you've um, experienced these uh, um, sleep paralysis incidents, and that you... Um, you began experiencing them when you were like about 16 years old, right? Yep. So when's the last time that you um, had one of these interactions? I know you said it's been a while. Do you, do you know exactly how long? Um, I, to be honest, I think the last distinctive time I remember would have been a year and a half ago. Um, I'm sure it's happened since, but I just haven't become uh, conscious enough to be aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the last is a distinctive time I can remember. I was on a uh, road trip with some of my friends, and I had fallen asleep in the back of a car, uh, their car. So, I think I'd been asleep for like two hours, and they hit a bump or something. Mm-hmm. And I opened my eyes and realized that I was, uh, you know, sleep paralyzed, <laughs> which was odd because I could. Um, I was listening to their conversations and stuff with my eyes open, but I was totally unable to, you know, move or interact with them at all. Wow, that sounds uh, that sounds really. Uh trippy yeah because you're you're present but you're not able to interact in the moment 
Yeah, it was um, it was pretty strange, and that time as well, I just ended up going back to sleep and uh, waking up normally a few minutes later to something else. Cool. So, I have one kind of final question for you, and it's a little weird, um, but it's something that crossed my mind as I was preparing for you to uh, come on to the show. Uh is there any sort of like depiction of sleep paralysis that you've seen in maybe a movie or television show or maybe even read in a book that you thought was very accurate? Like, is there something that you could point people toward if they wanted to um, see, you know, a more realistic depiction of sleep paralysis? Does such a thing um, exist? That's a, that is an interesting question. Um, I'm trying to rack my brain, but um, I don't, I can't speak to, uh, you know, the accuracy of depictions. I can't even really recall any depictions of sleep paralysis I've seen in, like, you know, pop culture or movies or anything like that. Right. Um, really, I guess the some people who I've just read on, like, forum posts and stuff describing it, um, I find pretty agreeable, but I can't really point to anything specific. I mean, I'm sure the experience is also different for a lot of people, so... Yeah. Um, you know, everybody's experience with it might kind of vary. All right. Cool. Well, um, just thought I'd throw that one out there. Do you have any final comments about your experiences with sleep paralysis or uh, any anything that you want to throw out there before we wrap up? Um, I don't think so. I, I, I can't really think of anything else to say about it. All right, great. Well, uh, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, and I'm sure that the uh, the audience will have found it uh, informative as well. Yeah, sure thing. my friend Kyle talking about his experiences with sleep paralysis. I've had a couple of my own, but I haven't had any experiences probably in about two or three years at this point. Uh, the last one I had, I uh, actually was taking a prescription sleep medication called Ambien at the time. So like, I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with Ambien but it is a, uh, it's a medication to help treat insomnia, and it's associated with really, really vivid dreams and also sometimes sleepwalking and other things. So I, um, I was taking it for a brief period of time uh, to help, help uh, treat insomnia, and I woke up one night probably about two to three hours after taking the Ambien and going to sleep and um, I awoke and I could not move. My room was pitch black and there was a very, very tall figure standing and kind of pacing back and forth at the foot of my bed. And it was 
really, really terrifying. I thought that maybe somebody had broken into my house and was uh, like stalking around the room. So it was really, really um, uh, terrifying. And, but I mean, it's, it's kind of like Kyle was saying, you know, after a while I, I was kind of like, this has to be a bad dream or something. And I ended up somehow falling, falling asleep and then waking up the next morning. And I was sure that I was going to wake up and like see that my house had been ransacked or that I had been, uh, or just waking up and being attacked by somebody. But, you know, I woke up that next morning and Nothing was there. Everything was fine, but it was really, really, really disturbing. So I guess that's what would be considered one of the intruder visions. But um, yeah, I mean, it was this like probably eight foot tall, like really unnaturally tall shadowy figure. And even though the room was very dark, the shadow, the shadowy figure appeared to be even darker than the air around it. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it, it was pretty nuts. That's definitely the most, uh, creepy one I've had. And speaking of how at the time that this sleep paralysis incident occurred, I was also taking medication. I'd, I'd like to, um, talk a little bit about some of the risk factors for sleep paralysis. Certain medications, including Ambien, have been found to seemingly increase the risk for sleep paralysis. If you Google ambient sleep paralysis, like a bajillion different results come up. Uh, there's literally hundreds of different people writing comments on these different forums saying, yeah, I never used to have issues with sleep paralysis, but I started taking Ambien and now I've found myself encountering it on a weekly basis. A different type of medication, uh, Ritalin, has been found to increase um, incidences of sleep paralysis as well. So in, I shouldn't say just Ritalin. It's really like any of those ADHD medications. So like Ritalin, Adderall, uh, Vyvanse, Concerta, it, all of that stuff, any of those prescription stimulants have been found to increase people's risk for sleep paralysis. The other risk factors include insomnia slash sleep deprivation in general. So if you're suffering from sleep deprivation or insomnia, you're more likely to have sleep paralysis. Additionally, uh, improper sleep schedule. So maybe you work a lot of night shifts or you work really, really late. Those, uh, Irregular sleep schedules can increase your chances of encountering sleep paralysis. Stimulants such as caffeine or other stimulants, you know, such as illegal drugs like cocaine or methamphetamine uh, can cause a increased chance for having sleep paralysis. Sleeping on your back or stomach also increases your chance for having an encounter with uh, sleep paralysis. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and it makes sense too, because the classic um, classic cases going back hundreds of years with sleep paralysis were people who are laying on their back and waking up in the middle of the night and feeling a quote unquote devil sitting on their chest. 
and suffocating them. So how can sleep paralysis be treated? Well, usually the treatments for sleep paralysis are non-medical, meaning that they don't involve uh, medication so or uh, medication or surgery. And they involve improving sleep hygiene. So that basically means like go to bed at a specific time every night, make sure you're sleeping in a bed, not just sleeping on a couch or in a chair somewhere, um, things, things like that. For people who have really major issues with it, they will sometimes prescribe, they meaning doctors, will sometimes prescribe antidepressants, um, but this is pretty uncommon, and these medications are only successful some of the time. So they, there's a slight chance that if it's a really severe problem for you, your doctor may suggest antidepressants or another type of medication, but uh, the, the results you may see could be minor, unfortunately. Meditation and other healthy relaxation techniques are also said to be helpful for combating sleep paralysis. So before you go to bed, you know, light some incense, sit down, do some relaxation, uh, deep breathing techniques or uh, meditative um, thought, and you may uh, may be able to reduce your chances of encountering sleep paralysis that way. It has been suggested by scientists that sleep paralysis is an explanation for reports of ghost visions and abductions. So that is why I wanted to talk about it today for this mini episode. Perhaps the Greenbrier ghost haunting was not a supernatural encounter, but rather a psychological encounter between this grieving mother and her inner inner voice, her her consciousness, her gut feeling that something terrible had happened to her daughter and that her daughter's death needed to be investigated further. And she had a sleep paralysis interaction. She saw this very vivid hallucination of her daughter telling her that she had been murdered. And that was, uh, that was what caused her to pursue justice. So um, I'm, I'm definitely not the first person, it turns out, to have suggested this. A, a lot of people have uh, suggested that the Greenbrier ghost story could be a sleep paralysis incident. If you haven't already listened to that episode, it's episode nine, and it's the second story that we cover on that show. And it's a really interesting story. I, I highly suggest that you check it out if you haven't already. Anyhow, this has been a mini episode of Down Home Fear. We'll be back with a full-length installment next week. It's going to be a show involving the topic of cannibalism in the American South, so prepare yourselves for that. For detailed show updates and extra info, follow us on Twitter at Down Home Fear. If you're not on Twitter, you can join our Facebook group. If you're not on either of those but you still want to reach out to me, you can contact me at downhomefear at gmail.com. I check all of those emails, so if you have a story suggestion or whatever, go ahead and send it that way. 
downhomefear.com is where you can find special bonus material from past episodes as well as links to all of our online presences so our soundcloud page our facebook our twitter page all of those are linked on there so it's kind of the central hub where you can find everything dhf related so my name is keegan i hope you found this episode informative Thank you so, so much for joining us. You guys are the best. Um, be sure to tell a friend about the show. Be sure to rate and review if you haven't already. But most importantly, just keep coming back and listening uh, to our episodes. I'm so glad that this show has uh, expanded and it continues to find new listeners each day. So thank you. Thank you.